For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Good morning. Happy Tuesday to you. Happy Halloween to you as well. Hope that your day is starting off well, although a little chillier than it's been. But uh, that's all right. We, I mean, I lamented for the past week or so when kids have to wear a jacket with their Halloween costume, whether it be over it, whether it be under it. Kids, I think tonight's going to be one of those nights. Mom or dad or Grandma, grandpa, whoever might tell you that you have to wear a jacket with your costume because it's gonna be it's gonna be cold out there tonight. That's why if if you don't want to have to wear here, here's the trick, you don't want to have to wear the the jacket with the costume. You wear it under the costume, and then you go as like the Incredible Hulk or Iron Man or somebody that you know you're gonna be kind of a bulked up muscular person, and then you just put the jacket on under the costume. Nobody says it has to go on over. You just have to wear it. So it is Halloween. Happy Halloween to you. I hope that uh, you've got some good plans for this evening or earlier, depending on when you celebrate your Halloween. I was always surprised at how quickly everything was wrapped up once I became an adult. As a kid, Halloween seemed to be like an all night long kind of thing. And I don't know why I thought that because I was probably home and in bed as a kid by 8 o'clock myself, but yet we would go out at like 5, 5.30 when it first started to get dark with my son and trick-or-treat and then come back and give away candy for another hour or two. And then by like 7.30, 8 o'clock, everything dies down. Like, what? What happened to Halloween? And I'm sure it goes on a little bit longer when it's a weekend night. Although, I don't know, it... Is it just me or is Halloween always on a weeknight? I mean, that's, it's mathematically impossible. It's impossible by the calendar, but yet it seems like every year Halloween is a weeknight. I don't, I don't get it. But anyway, uh, I think it'll be a good one this year. At least it won't be raining. We can talk about that. We can talk about a lot of things this morning. We can talk about the New Bedford Police Union issuing a vote of no confidence against New Bedford Police Chief Paul Oliveira. And I've been reading some of the other coverage of this. I, you know, I think we had it first, but I've been reading some other coverage of it in other places and seeing the way that, you know, people outside of New Bedford are perceiving what is going on here. 
And I'm glad that most of them are pointing out that this is something that has happened previously in the past. In 2004, again in at the end of 2019, different union presidents, different police chiefs each time. So is this a matter of, and the fact that the first one was in 2004 makes me think it's not just a police union versus Mayor John Mitchell issue either. So I, I'm interested in finding out what happens, and I don't know how much of this we'll hear about, but I want to know what happens when Chief Oliveira meets with the union leadership, which he said he is going to do. I, um, I texted him yesterday looking for a statement on this vote. And he said he wanted to hold off on making any statements until after he'd had a chance to meet with the leadership. Which, from my understanding, is going to happen in the next couple of days. But I don't think that these concerns are a surprise to Chief Oliveira either. Because as the union pointed out in its release, there had been numerous surveys in recent months where the members of the union expressed displeasure with what was going on in the department now. And and I don't know that this is necessarily a union versus the chief issue, like as a person, but rather as the way that the department is being run because they are not happy with things like uh, Councillor Gomes pointed out in his statement to us, things like forced overtime, decreased staffing. If you remember the... Over the summer, we had the issue where the police union was posting the crimes that happened. They weren't posting any names. They weren't posting any information about arrests or victims or anything like that. They would just say, you know, that there was a, you know, an incident on this street at this time. Things that anybody would get from the scanner or would get from the police log. Actually, it was less information than people would get from the police log. Because the police log will usually have names of people who are arrested. Which you can get from NewBedfordPD.com any, any day. Now the part of the issue was that they were putting stuff up over the weekend before the administrative staff got into the police department on a Monday and was able to upload those logs. But the union told us at the time that they were caution. The union president, Lieutenant Evan Bielski, told us that they were cautioned by the administration, police administration, not to do that, not to post information before the department could. And if you remember, too, and it's, it's been ongoing, the union has been posting to Facebook about how short staffed they are each day. Now, it's... Hard to blame the administration, the police administration, for a lack of being able to fill those jobs. I mean, I get it. You, you certainly can. But there's also the argument, too, that it's hard for departments to find police candidates everywhere. I know because we get all the press releases from everybody all the people who are telling us, all the departments that are telling us, you know, we're, we're raising the salary, we're doing this, we're doing that, we're having a 
job fair, all these all these tactics that they're taking to be able to try to increase recruiting. But the union can point to how many officers are leaving New Bedford and not just leaving New Bedford and, you know, retiring or taking early retirement or going to work in a different role, in a different job. There are officers who are making lateral moves to other departments. And part of that relates to them not being happy in the position that they're in. It's not just the salary thing, although, as we've learned, a lot of the surrounding communities, the starting salary is more than what some of the officers are making here in the city with far more risk involved in the job. Now, the new three-year contract kicks in in January with a base pay increase and then another one midway through the year before the new fiscal year starts. So that will be increased, but it was not, you know, if you're going to make the same money, maybe a little more, maybe a little bit less to go work in a quieter town, I can see why that's attractive. So not all of the factors can be blamed on the police leadership, but the union feels like there's enough of it to drop it at the foot of Chief Paul Oliveira. And that vote, you know, 80, what was it, 85.6%, 89.6%. 121 out of 135 members that voted. Now there were dozens of members of the union that opted not to vote at all. This was done by secret ballot. Some chose not to take a ballot and vote, apparently. But out of the ones that did vote, 121 of them, 89.6, voted no confidence in Chief Oliveira. 12 ballots, 8.9%, did not support the vote of no confidence. One ballot was blank, and another ballot was marked with both choices. So there's clearly an overwhelming majority of the union membership that is that has no confidence in the leadership of Chief Oliveira. What does he do now to try to get them back? Because the mayor called this a tactic. He called it the same old, same old. These are direct words from his statement. He thinks that there is, you know, just a, a, the way he makes it sound, and he'll, he'll elaborate more on this, I'm sure, when he's on with Chris tomorrow. But the way he makes it sound is, you know, he expects this to happen. He expects the, the, the union to, to take this vote because that's what they've done. And I don't know that that's, you can be as dismissive as that. And I'm sure the mayor will hear out Lieutenant Bielski and the union's concerns. I'm sure he'll do that due diligence, but it just sounds like on the surface, like he's not paying it much credence. And he says that the chief has his full support. And ultimately, there's only two ways that there's a change in leadership for the police department. That's if Paul Oliveira chooses not to continue on in that role, which he did apply to be the chief in Falmouth. So maybe he does have an eye on leaving. We never really got the whole story on that. 
you know, was this a matter of does he have family there and he would like to live there and work there? Does he have, you know, a, a vacation home and he's thinking about eventually he's going to be retiring and would rather live on the Cape? Was it that the job was more attractive because there would be less headaches in a suburban community? Although Falmouth has its share of issues. It's not exactly a bedroom community. So, you know, we never really got that whole story, but he was looking at that. So does that mean maybe he would look at other jobs and may go somewhere else? I mean, I don't know. For a guy that's been here since 1992, he's got 30 years as a member of the New Bedford Police Department. Does he want to go start over and start building a pension somewhere else? And then if he does, will the union like whoever the next person is to step into that job? The other way that he would be out of office is if the mayor removed him. And it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. So uh, to me, this is just going to be a continued battle between the mayor and the police union, which... They are going to be going back to the negotiating table eventually because the contract they signed is only for three years and they're looking for something more substantial. But I think you're going to have the continued butting of heads here. 508-996-0500. If you want to call in and chime in on that, I think, um, you know, Chris talked quite a bit about this yesterday. And I know that he'll talk about it with the mayor. But I think that for the citizens, they don't necessarily grasp what this means. I think it sounds like, you know, procedural, um, you know, union stuff that kind of goes over the head of many people. But what you are dealing with here is basically people who are going to work every day saying that they don't think their boss is leading them properly. And imagine what that's like if you went to work that way every day where you said, oh, my, my boss just doesn't get it. He doesn't do a good job of leading us. And some people don't need that leadership. Some people can be self-motivators and get the job done. They can do what they're hired to do at 100% of their ability, despite whoever might be at the top, despite whoever might be leaving, leading them. But then I think you also have a situation where you have uh, people who need that guidance. And even if they don't need that guidance on a day-to-day -day basis, or in a moment-to-moment -moment basis, they like having the knowledge that somebody is there, that has their back, that is leading them in the right direction. Especially when it comes to the administrative tasks and the things that uh, are at the, the higher level operations. You, you don't want to have to worry about that stuff if you are out there enforcing the laws of the city. 
if you are out there enforcing and, and protecting the citizens of the city, you don't want to have to be worrying about what's going on at the top. You want that stuff to kind of take care of itself. Including knowing that when your day off is supposed to come up, you're going to get that day off and not be forced into working more, more overtime. Or, you know, that when you're supposed to go home that day, you can go home that day. I think we've all been in that kind of a position in our jobs where we're ready to go home. We have plans and somebody comes up to us and says, ah, can you just stay a little bit longer? We just, there's, we, we don't have anybody to cover. Can you just stay until we can find somebody to cover? And because you want to do the right thing and help people and also because you're thinking, well, that'll also be nice in my paycheck, you agree to do it. And yeah, you agreed was it really what you wanted to do? And doesn't that affect your quality of life? So again, 508-996-0500. If you want to call in and chime in on this, we'll be talking about it throughout the course of the morning. We'll also talk some Halloween stuff because it is Halloween. And we will also talk later on about breast cancer awareness because it is the final day of October. It is the final day of Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so we are going to be discussing that this morning because we didn't want to let the month wrap up without talking some more about that. So we're going to take a break and then we'll be back in just a few moments. And welcome back in. Let's take a quick call before we go to the news. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hey, good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm thinking it through as a, a former police officer. I think there's a duty calls. Regardless, we can't go home tonight. Are you going to pull a double? Uh, I think duty calls. At the same time, I believe that if you have a specific grievance, you got to put it out in front and then push forward. However, I don't hear anything about incompetence. I don't hear anything about a problem with the mission statement. Perhaps it's payroll and promotions. Uh, that that's an important item. Uh, perhaps it's lack of uh, of fellow officers. It don't seem to be that though. It seems like uh, it's a, a direct hit on policy. Uh, I don't know what the mission statement may be for the department. I don't know where there's any glaring problems that uh, the citizens can point to and say I'm in agreement with the union. Um, it's it's big, but what it what it what it's saying uh, uh, as a former police officer is there's dissension within the ranks. Uh, they haven't split. There's not a group saying, "Oh, he's fine, great chief." That says something as well. well I At can, the same time, I can I can tell you a, I can tell you some of their concerns based on the letter. They said that the surveys that they, they returned that had negative results about the chief focused on communication, trust, transparency, morale, and the lowest scoring question, whether the New Bedford Police Department is headed in a positive direction. I, the one that jumps out at me is transparency. That, that is the key. Uh, that, that could be anything, uh, uh, whether it's chain of custody whether it's um, uh, the public being told or the policemen themselves are being told uh, specifically red flag things that are covered up that puts the police in danger. 
Now, the police are always going to be in some sort of danger, but if the community is in danger because of a lack of transparency, all you need is a few even anecdotal examples, and you'll win over, you'll win over a lot of emotion. It's an emotional issue because uh, this is a serious, serious job. Without, without the police, without the police performing at a high level or having things on their minds before they start their shift, they're in danger. And that extrapolates to we're in danger. Sure. Uh, and it's sad. It's sad because uh, the, uh, the the chief really has to take the bull by the horns here because there's no doubt the, the men are being transparent with this push against them. He's not being transparent because he's really not pushing back. No, he's, he says I he's going to meet with them, so we'll we'll see what comes about as that. i got to just hold you there because i got to go to the news, but thank you for the call, and you have a good day. Uh, we will take more of your calls, 508-996-0500, but I'm a little behind getting over to Ariel. Who Ariel, are you? Are those uh, mouse ears? Is that what those are? They're bear ears. Oh, bear ears. Yes. Okay. So you are the bear that's been roaming around Westport. Have you heard about this? <laughs> I have not, no. Yeah. So, and people keep sending me all the videos and they're like, look, another bear. And at this point, I'm kind of like, yeah, I I agree with everybody now. Bears are in the area. <laughs> I don't think it's uh, as newsworthy as it was, you know, six months ago when they started popping up. But right. just don't, just do me a favor. Don't hibernate, at least until after I'm done. When I go off the air, then I don't care if you want to go to sleep. But I, I need you here for the news. Got it. I, right. I will try my hardest. Well, let's go to the newsroom with Burial. Israel's Prime Minister says a ceasefire with Hamas is a surrender for Israel. Speaking to his nation yesterday, Benjamin Netanyahu added he's committed to bringing hostages home. He said Israeli forces have been going out of their way to avoid civilian casualties while Hamas purposely puts civilians in harm's way. The White House is taking action to combat the alarming rise in reported anti-Semitic incidents on college campuses following the outbreak of the war between Israel and Hamas. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says the Departments of Justice and Homeland Security are partnering with campus and local law enforcement to address any threats. This comes amid rising tensions on camp college campuses across the U.S. as the conflict in the Middle East continues. A judge is ordering federal agents to stop cutting razor wire at the southern border. In a Monday ruling, a U.S. district judge granted a temporary restraining order banning the federal government from handling the wire installed in Eagle Pass, Texas. The only exceptions is the only exception is in the case of a medical emergency that could result in injury or death. After more than a century and a half of state control, voters may be asked to consider turning over control of the Baltimore Police Department to the city. This past week, the Baltimore City Council introduced a proposed charter amendment that would finalize their transition of the police force from state to city control. The move would require voter approval next year. Maryland has had control of the Baltimore Police Department since 1860. Gas prices nationwide are falling, with experts predicting they'll fall even more in the next couple of weeks. The Energy Department says the average price of gas nationwide was down six cents in the past week, going to three forty-nine a gallon. The cost of crude oil dropping is being attributed as the main cause. The Rangers are just two wins away from their first ever World Series title. Texas defeated the Arizona Diamondbacks 3-1 last night in Game 3 of the World Series. The teams will meet up again for Game 4 Tuesday night in Phoenix. 
In more sports, the Patriots are going to be without their leading receiver for the remaining of the season. According to ESPN, Tess confirmed Monday that wide receiver Kendrick Bourne has torn his right ACL. Recovery is expected to last between six to eight months. Bourne was injured on the first play of the fourth quarter of the Pats' week eight battle with the Miami Dolphins. New England will be playing the Washington Commanders this week. The Celtics are still undefeated after blowing out the Washington Wizards 126-107 at Capital One Arena. Jalen Brown led all scorers with 36 points to go along with the team-high three steals. Jason Tatum chipped in with 33 points and six rebounds. Derek White dished out a game-high eight assists in the victory. Boston will host the Indiana Pacers tomorrow night at TD Garden. And the Bruins have won back-to-back games after coming from behind to beat the Florida Panthers 3-2 in overtime. The Bruins trailed by two goals after the opening period. Brad Marchand scored his fifth of the season to get his team on the board. Charlie McAvoy tied the game at two apiece in the third period. And Paval Zaka scored the game winner in the extra frame. The Bruins will play the Toronto Maple Leafs Thursday night at TD Garden. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. Good to be with you, everybody, on this Tuesday morning. Cold air from the north keeps it cool. Upper 30s this morning with dry conditions to low 40s. As we head into the afternoon, mostly sunny. The temperatures will remain in the mid-upper 40s. 50 along the coast overnight. Rain arrives after midnight, mostly to the south. And then the temperatures remain on the cool side. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast from the ABC6 Weather Center. I'm meteorologist Ceci Del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station WBSM and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Get breaking news alerts, stream audio, send us text messages, and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. Terracon uh, back in September. They were celebrating Fright Night and they were they had a lot of the cast members there and they were all such nice people. Chris Sarandon and Amanda Bierce and uh, who else? William Rex. So many nice people and such an iconic film. I haven't seen it in forever though. Maybe I should watch that tonight along with some of the other horror I have planned. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, hey, can you give me, I might have asked you this in the past, a, a history lesson on that 
haunted house in Westport that they knocked down for a warehouse of. Yeah, everybody talks about that house as being, you know, the most haunted house on the South Coast. But there's there's some stories about whether or not any of that is actually true. So what happened was, and I, I wrote an article about it, I think, last year. Let me uh, Let me just look it up to make sure I don't give any false information. But this was a place that, you know, if you go and ask anybody, you know, is there any haunted houses on 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 uh, the South Coast? They're going to point to this place. So right. here's here's what really happened here. So this was a house that was built. Um, it was uh, right next to the Wardell burial ground. So the rumor started off pretty much right from around you know the the time people started telling these stories that it was actually built on unmarked graves that should have been part of the burial ground. And that it was a former Native American burial ground. Neither yeah, of those appear to be true, though. Ah, damn it. But, uh, so what happened was in 1943, Marie and Armand Brodeur bought the home. They originally, the home they originally bought was torn down as part of the creation of Interstate 195. So in 1969, they built the home that was there that became so famous. And then in 1979, it was sold to a teacher from New Bedford who remained in the house until 1985 when she sold it to Sumner J. Waring, the owner of Waring Funeral Homes, which is now Waring Sullivan. And then Waring, brought the, uh, Waring had brought the property with the intention of turning it into administrative offices for his businesses, but chose another site instead and just left the house sitting there. Fifteen years after purchasing it, he told the Herald News reporter in 2000 he still had no idea what he was going to do with the property, but he said even then that there was no haunting. This is his direct quote. It's a lot of hogwash, frankly. The whole thing is absurd. I can't imagine anyone would take any credence in this stuff. Any rational individual knows there aren't ghosts coming out of that place. Well, I would disagree with Mr. Waring about some of that, but that was his, his uh, feeling on it. But what would happen is people would say as the house sat there and it was empty, you know, and actually any empty home is going to start to have some stories that build up around it. But people yep. would talk about the lights coming on, despite there being no electrical service to the home, and the, you know, and the windows boarded up. So how can you see a light coming on if the windows are boarded up? Um, there was the people. Back that, light. The, the back door light was always on, which makes sense if you have an abandoned property. You want to keep it lit so that you know nobody's trying to break in. But the, said the there's no electrical service. But that doesn't mean. So I looked into this when the story came out, and. Yep. Was it possible that in from 1985 until 2000 or, you know, whenever, whenever the house, I forget when the house actually came down. But, you know, is it possible that there was a solar powered light and was no. there something that might have caused it? And what actually was told to me is, let's see if I can find where I had, if I put it in the story. Me and an ex-girlfriend used to hang out in the back on every Halloween night. Or we did like Ouija boards and all that crap over there. That's how I, that's specifically how I know the backlight was always on. I don't know if I, I don't think I put the debunking in there, but from what I heard, that light was actually wired to another property. <laughs> so so stealing, stealing electricity. No, no. I think it was like an agreement where like it was tied into somebody else's electricity to keep it lit so nobody would break in. Because obviously the neighbors don't want anybody breaking in either. But that's right. that's what Most I heard. And all that. But the story got really ridiculous because like people would report, oh, we looked in the windows and we opened, the, you know, we unboarded one of the windows and looked inside and there were coffins inside. Well, yeah, because it was a funeral home owned it and they stored coffins inside. Like See, did, that, you, you know how if you didn't know that, how freaking creepy that would be, though. 
you think it's just a regular raised ranch and you go in and there's 30 coffins just stacked, you'd be like... What do you think? Yeah. Like, there's there's vampires living in there and they're sleeping in their coffins? You could believe that. I mean, yeah. no, what I'm, would I'm, you believe at 12 years old? I'd believe that. No, I'm not, I'm not mocking it. I'm, at, I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting it. There's so many things that you could just be like, ah, that's like a mass murder plot and... And no, 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 you're not even the FBI knows. But here's, uh, here's everybody's dead in there. Here's what always interested me about that story of the house next to White's is Westport police office police officers would talk about weird experiences they had going to calls really? to that house. Yeah, they would talk about like having reports that somebody was going into the house, and so they would go down there to check it out, and then they would go in there and like weird things would happen, doors would close on their own, and everything. So it, the police were weary of having to go out there, or so I've been told. Huh. Yeah, that that was always one of my. Everybody, everybody knows about that at that house, and everybody talks about it. Yeah, but my, the stories that I heard was pretty much what you were saying: Indian burial ground built on top, and and nobody knew. But the person who owned the house uh, left because the weird stuff was happening. You know, they they sold, they got out quick, just like your typical haunted house story. But but it's not they true. The house, and yeah, I know. But that's that's the lore that I used to hear. And the reason why me and me and an ex girlfriend used to always go there every every uh, Halloween, right around ten o'clock at night, and uh, try and look inside and do like Ouija board and do weird. She was weird, anyways. But <laughs> yeah, not me. It wasn't me that was weird. I just went along with it. I was like, all right, you know, I'm just hanging out. So you say she's weird and she's not your girlfriend anymore. Do you know if she's still single? No, I'm just kidding. The, um, the, uh, no, I think that, you know, the stories, so I talk about something in my lectures called the Liberty Valance effect in the movie, the man who shot Liberty Valance. I won't bore everybody with the details of the, of the movie, but there's a line in the movie when the legend becomes fact, you print the legend. And that's what this is a case of. It's where the legend has outgrown what the actual truth is. So people are going to continue to talk, talk about that legend. And there's really nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with sharing legends like this as long as we keep in the back of our minds that, you know, there's, there's not a lot of truth in some of the legend. Right. Yeah. That's unfortunate because I, I was really hoping that the, the warehouse now is haunted. Imagine that, making that a haunted house. That'd be great. Yeah. I mean, ima just, just imagine if... The, you know, the teacher, I wish I could talk to the teacher. I tried to track down who the teacher was. The teacher lived there for six years. So it wasn't like they did just move right out. But imagine if we did talk to the teacher and the teacher said something like, oh, yeah, that house was haunted as hell, but I just didn't want to move. <laughs> like, I couldn't afford to move. I was on a teacher's salary in 1980. Do you think I was going to go buy another house? Yeah, I was only making 26000 a year. Right. <laughs> so I just had to live. I had to live with the ghosts. Oh, my God. That's crazy, Tim. All right. All have right. Good one, Tim. You as well. Happy Halloween. Have a good one. Happy Halloween. And uh, if you have any paranormal or ghostly or haunted questions, 508-996-0500. Today's the day to bring them up. But yeah, that is one of the most persistent legends of the South Coast and South Coast ghosts. You know what? I, th I'll, I think I'll share that story out again on Facebook today because it will inevitably be a story people will be telling uh, today. They'll be telling their kids, when I was growing up, there was a haunted house next to White's over in Westport. And everybody would go there. And, 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 and that's the thing. People went there and actually legitimately got freaked out, just as the caller said. You know, that's, that's why that legend persisted. Those stories don't last if there isn't some truth to what's being told. So it, it, the story of the origin story of the, of the ghosts might not be true. But that doesn't mean that there might not have been some ghosts there. And the other possibility, too, and this is something I, I lecture on, 
is that some ghosts that we encounter are actually things that we can do with our own mind. And people are skeptical about this, and rightly so. But, you know, if that other 10%, I'm sorry, that other 90% of our brain that we don't use, if part of that could be the ability to manipulate the environment around us with our thoughts, as has been tested, not just by, you know, paranormalists, but by the U.S. military, there were, there's still thought experiments going on to this day. So is it possible that if you have enough people saying, oh, if we let's go look and see if that door slams on its own, like the stories say, and then they go there and they subconsciously put out the energy to make that happen. All you have to do to make the door slam, you don't have to physically go over and slam the door. You don't have to send out a thought that will go over and physically slam the door. You just have to manipulate the environment around the door enough to cause the door to slam, if you're following me. And maybe we can do that. Maybe we have that ability that we just haven't figured out and mastered yet. Maybe telekinesis is a real thing. And so when everybody's sitting there thinking, oh, let's just watch and see if that door slams. And then the door slams. Well, you well, there was five people there that were all putting out that thought. And maybe you made it happen. I know it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of heady stuff for some people. But as I always say in my lectures... You know, I'd much rather believe that's what a ghost is. I'd much rather believe that I can make the remote fly across the room into my hand while I'm sitting on the couch than to think that my dead grandmother is watching me when I'm in the shower. 508-996-0500. We'll be right back. Um. The Gremlin Rag from Gremlins, which is not a Halloween movie. It's a Christmas movie. You know, people argue all the time about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. I think that it is. I don't care that John McTiernan, the director, said it's not. I think that it is. But I also think that Gremlins is a Christmas movie. It takes place at Christmas time. And it puts me in the Christmas mood. I don't know about you, but I can't hear the little drummer boy. Without thinking of gremlins. I can't use a microwave without thinking of gremlins. Hashtag if you know, you know. So I I think it's a Christmas movie, but still, if that's what you want to watch for, for Halloween, go right ahead. I actually like gremlins too, too. Not a lot of people do. And there, I don't know if it's still going to happen, but there was talk that there was going to be a gremlins three. Uh, I know someone who knows uh, Zach, uh, oh, what's his last name? Zach, is Zach Ward? No, is that, that's a kid from A Christmas Story. Zach Galligan, Zach Galligan. And uh, a couple of years ago, they were talking about a Gremlins 3. So maybe, maybe it's still going to happen. But Gremlins 2 is just a, just a nutso ride. You have... Uh, a Donald Trump-like character named Daniel Clamp. You have a knockoff version of Al Grandpa Lewis. Hulk Hogan's in the movie. And like a weird medicine. It's, it's a lot of fun. But yes, the original is still 
still the best. 508-996-0500. One of the other articles I'll point you to at WBSM.com and on the WBSM app is a little article I wrote yesterday. You know how I wrote last week about two New Bedford bars we're now offering South Shore Bar Pizza? Well, the Tiger Den, the student-run restaurant at Taunton High School, announced last week that they're going to start offering bar pizza. That the students there have learned how to make South Shore-style bar pizza and that they're going to put it on the menu, which you can go during school hours and you can eat in the restaurant or you can get it as takeout. Uh, All the details are in the story at WBSM.com and on the app. But last week, I lamented how I shared that story about the New Bedford bars having bar pizza and put it into like the bar pizza Facebook group and all that and people were dumping all over New Bedford. Oh, great. I'm not going to go, you know, risk stepping on a needle to go get a pizza. Like all the dumb, stupid comments that people that aren't from New Bedford make about New Bedford. And I was very upset. Like I was just like, these people are all trash. Come on. How can we all have such great taste in pizza, but yet you're such horrible people? But then I put this story in there thinking that we would get, you know, a lot of the same kind of comments, but... Everybody that's I've seen so far has been overwhelmingly positive and supportive and say they're going to go out and they're going to try those pizzas. So, And uh, you can read more about it at WBSM.com and on the app. But right now, going to take my final break of the app. All right, that is going to do it for this hour. We're going to come back in the next hour with more of your phone calls at 508-996-0500. Are you concerned about the New Bedford police? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.